Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? Yeah. You know, I am so happy to be with you tonight because I missed you last week. It was Memorial Day and I wanted to promote um, a really popular rerun of a show that uh, was aired in 2014 and I could not get that thing to play. I don't know if there were people in the studio that were on holiday, but I think you probably got some dead air last week. So my apologies. We are back here today, and I'm real excited to be interviewing a woman who has studied love addiction. Her name is Lacey Bentley, and she has made it her mission to study female sexuality and addiction and how love addiction might have originated as well as, you know, what is love addiction and how is it different than sex addiction? It can get very, very confusing. So women who live with love addiction uh, oftentimes find worth in their sexuality and sex-based patterns And unfortunately, that can become compulsive. They've learned to cope in a sex-driven world. And you know this is a sex-driven world. If you combine that with childhood trauma, you are more than likely to experience something called reenactment trauma. And reenactment trauma means that you reenact the trauma you experienced early on and perhaps you take control, perhaps you're in charge, or perhaps you experience the same thing over and over and over again that you experienced at a younger age. So we're going to be talking to Lacey Bentley, who is the author of Overcoming Love Addiction, Your Recovery Roadmap, 
and she's going to be talking about how to break that addictive pattern and find self-worth in the process. And that's what I love. As well as, i got to tell you, I'm going to be starting a new show for partners of sex addicts. We're hoping to get that launched next week on Thursday evening at 9 o'clock. We're doing it through APSATS, and that is the Association for Partners of Sex Addictronic Specialists. And I'm one of those. I actually help teach the course and... And we are clinical certified partner trauma specialists or partner trauma coaches that understand what it's like when you've been in a coupleship with a sex addict. And so we are going to be promoting that show through Blog Talk. And you can find us through iTunes starting next week. And it's going to be called Part, uh, excuse me, Betrayal. Recovery Radio, and that is, again, through Blog Talk. So I'm excited to be doing that. So now we're going to have specifically a program for the addicts and a program for the partners, and you know I've blended the two an awful lot because what I know to be true is that addicts need to know how the partners feel so that they can right the wrongs and help to... regain safety and stabilization. And partners need to know, why did my husband or wife do this to me? I don't understand sexual addiction. I certainly don't understand why it happened to me. So I've really tried to work with sex addicts on this show and partners and couples to help make that a, a more understandable dilemma because it is a dilemma. It is super confusing. And it just makes no sense at all. And, you know, one of the things that I realize is that no matter whether you're an addict or a partner, you have experienced trauma, if nothing else, in the fact that you have participated in behaviors that you actually find abhorrent. You may not be able to stop, and you may continue, and it may get worse. But it's not behaviors that you like. It's kind of like that cocaine addict that their first high is really great, but after that they just keep trying to chase that first high, and they never find it. Well, it is the same thing um, with sex addiction. It gets worse and worse and worse, and you can never duplicate those first days or weeks of sexual addiction. You're always looking for that next high, and you're never satisfied with what you get. And we know you want to stop. We know you hate yourself. We know there's a lot of shame. And that's what this show is all about, getting you on the right road, teaching you about the recovery tasks, and making a difference in your life. And I just thank so many of you that contact me every single week and appreciate the fact that I want to make things better for you. I'm a clinical therapist, I'm a life coach, and I'm a sexual addiction and partner betrayal specialist. And there is no judgment here. I get that you are confused whether you've slipped, whether you've relapsed, whether you have a partner, whether you don't. 
it is harder if you don't have a partner. So for all you single men and women out there that are sex or love addicts, I know it is really hard if you don't have somebody to help hold you accountable, to help keep you on the track, to help manage or monitor what you're doing. You know, with alcoholism and the 12-step program, we first learned that addicts were supposed to work their program and their wives or husbands were supposed to work theirs. And never the two should meet. You know, you just do your work over there, you just do your work over there, and when everybody gets healthy, that's when we can come back together. But sex addiction is a different ballgame. And although it started out with a 12-step program by my very special Patrick Carnes, who helped to not only write the book but start the groups, he'll be the first to admit that the real source of healing for both an addict and a partner comes when truth is established. And unfortunately, if you are in a partnership, you got to be truthful. That means you got to answer the right questions. Now, I don't encourage partners to bombard their addicts with questions after questions after questions each and every day. As hard as it is, I encourage you to write out a question journal and find two, two times a week that are regular times where you can ask the addict, did you do this? Have you done that? Will you be doing this? And when that occurs, that at least helps both the partner to learn how to contain his or her fears, worries, paranoia, whatever. And it helps the addict to know that this is not going to go on every day, day in and day out. It's going to be set aside for one or two times a week. And I want to tell you, I want the addicts to look forward to that time. I know it's hard, but when you are honest with your partner, you can begin to feel good about yourself. And that's what we get excited about, because honesty is at the foundation of overcoming any addiction. And again, we're going to be talking with Lacey Bentley, author of Overcoming Love Addiction, Your Recovery Roadmap. Sometimes what we find is that somebody does not have actually a sexual addiction. They have a love addiction. And they may use sex as a vehicle to work on compulsive sexuality. But that's a different ball game than what sex addicts have to deal with. With sexual addiction, the sexuality is compulsive. You know, the behaviors may um, involve multiple affairs, voyeurism, exhibitionism, frauderism, um, and the drive is the sex itself or the pursuit or the chase. But with love addiction, oftentimes that starts with a wounding early on in life. And I always call it the wounded soul. It's when somebody is not able to repair that early on and they look for love 
to feel better about themselves, almost like it's an ointment or a salve for this wound that they have. And sometimes they use sexuality to help captivate the person that they love or that they want to love. But what we do know is that more often times than not, they reenact the same trauma they experienced as a kid, and they end up getting rejected, pushed away, ignored. They feel invisible. And that exacerbates that wounding. And tonight, Lacey Bentley, author of Overcoming Love Addiction, Your Recovery Roadmap, is going to be talking more about that pattern as well as How do you find self-worth in the process of recovery? Uh, She's made it her mission to study this condition. And for a lot of people, they don't know the difference. So, Lacey, welcome to Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Thanks, Carol. How are you? Yes, I am well. And I tell you what, I just was looking at um, Amazon today. And your yeah. book, Overcoming Love Addiction, if you get the Kindle version, it is absolutely free for today. And I was like, wow, this is such a great offer for anybody who wants to identify, do they have a love addiction or is their wife or husband a love addict? So tell me yeah. a little bit about this book and and what got you interested in studying love addiction? Well, the book is my newest baby. I call it my fifth child. And I decided to write it. I know. I'm totally, I totally, I totally baby it. My husband's like, are you hanging out with me or your baby? I'm like, "Mm, I'll see you in an hour. I'm hanging with my baby. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he loves it. But I decided to write this book. Because I personally have dealt with love slash romance addiction in my life. I struggle to call it love addiction because, like you probably know, Carol, we don't love our targets. We're infatuated with our targets. We obsess over our targets, but we don't actually love them because love would never exploit another human being in fantasy or in our minds or truly in in actions or words or behaviors. So then I, I went back to school getting a degree in psychology, and I realized, hey, nobody's really talking about this. And I'm kind of brave, and I kind of just like to take on big challenges. And so I decided I would be the one to talk about it. I wanted to help other women to maybe not go through some of the pain I have or Uh, feel like they're not alone, feel like there's someone out there who understands and there's something they can do so that they aren't having these compulsive behaviors anymore and these obsessive thoughts. So thus, my book was born. Well, and you know, I really feel like that is when somebody has found their purpose, when they either have some sort of connection to wanting to understand something better or they just want to make the world a better place. And and would you agree with me that usually love addiction occurs from a wounding early on in one's childhood? Oh, absolutely. There is always a pain. And whether it's an abusive traumatic pain or a neglectful traumatic pain, like an absent parent, especially an absent father. You know, mine took off when I was four. I went to buy a pack of cigarettes never came back. 
there is always something there like that. And that's the pain that we're trying to cover up and hide and numb and assuage with our obsessions, our compulsions, and our targets. What we don't realize is all that's doing is making the hole bigger and making the pain bigger. Well, absolutely, and that's what I call trauma reenactment because it's like you were missing out on something as a child and then you pursue the same thing over and over again and you don't get your needs met and it further reinforces that, A, you're unlovable or that, Mm -hmm. B, there's a defect or something wrong with you, which you and I both know there isn't, but it certainly looks that way when somebody is, pursuing unhealthy love oh it really does and like pia melody talks a lot about how we often seek out someone who is super needy or someone who is really avoidant or aloof or unavailable and i find that to be absolutely true it was true in my own life it's true with my clients we we reach for someone who is still not available for us in some way and it's just, I mean, it's crazy-making, and we're absolutely reenacting that early abandonment or trauma, trying time after time after time to fill that hole. And again, it just gets bigger with every loss of relationship, with every rejection, with every breakup. It just hurts more. So was it your own um, neglectful father that got you to study female sexuality and addiction, or was there something else that contributed to that? Well, I used hentai, which is pornographic, sexualized anime in high school. I also was really into uh, just erotic stories when I was about 13, 14, 15. Because, you know, I think we're all curious. We're all sexually curious. And I run across this stuff and I go, wow, this makes me feel something I haven't felt before. And, hey, it makes this loneliness and isolation feel a little bit better for a while. And so I learned that through fantasy and through these stories and through hentai that I could calm that pain for a little while, and it was so powerful. And then we've got this cocktail of the sexual and emotional attachment, neurohormones and neurochemicals going on, and it just is its so incredibly powerful getting a dose of that cocktail. We go back to it over and over and over again. And so then in college... I started researching, you know, what's out there about female and pornography usage and sexual addiction. Because, you know, as an undergrad, you need something cool to study and something you can put a lot of time and energy into. And I thought, hey, this sounds fascinating. I want to help women have healthier sexuality, not even realizing that this was my own issue and that I needed this, and that's why I felt drawn to it. So in studying that and coming across what little there was about human sexuality is about four or five years ago when there wasn't a whole lot, especially about female pornography addiction. And it just kind of brought me to this place where I went, you know, I've got my own experience. I've got all this research. I've got these women I've talked to. I've been in recovery myself for eight years. And I'm seeing some patterns that nobody else is uncovering or talking about. And that made me really want to make sure we're looking in the dark corners of this, that we're really shining a light in the closets of our minds that women may not even know are there, especially in their own sexuality. And so 
was it as a PhD in psychology, was it you were actually in psychology and you said, I am going to study female sexuality and addiction? Yeah. Now, I don't have a PhD. I don't want to, you know, I have my undergrad degree. <laughs> I'm a I'm a recovery coach and and I do study addiction. I still study it. I read everything that comes out I can get my hands on and we're finding such cool things out about female sexuality. One thing that's still not being uncovered and teased apart is that the female love and sex addict has different needs than the male love and sex and pornography addict. You know, I don't even know that we could call men love addicts. They certainly have the pornography addiction and those kinds of things going on. But it, it's become really important to me to help tease that apart and talk to my other colleagues who are doing research and say, hey, let's look at the differences in female addiction recovery versus male addiction recovery and see if we can't serve women better. So what are the differences between female love addiction and male love addiction? Well, I think a big one, the biggest one, and I love 12 steps. I've been 12-stepping for 18 years, absolutely love the 12 steps. One thing that's missing in the 12 steps, though, that women need and men usually really don't is empowerment. Sure, we talk about making amends and we talk about taking inventory and we talk about personal responsibility and honesty and paying it forward and helping others along the path and service and, you know, daily awareness. But what we don't talk about is that when a woman has been sexually disempowered, which just being born a woman in this world is sexually disempowering, and while things are kind of getting better, what's that? I would absolutely agree. But explain to our listening audience why you believe that just being born a woman is disempowering. Well, first of all, it's a whole lot easier to rape a woman than a man, to be perfectly blank, or perfectly honest, Frank. Um, but also, we're, we're, in a, we're still in a patriarchal society. Men are the presidents. Men make the laws. Men make the rules. Men are the police officers. Men are the heads of the household and the breadwinners. And that all by itself sends a message to girls about their status. And, you know, we're at home and we're cleaning the house and we're taking care of the kids and we're not getting degrees until the kids are older and putting ourselves last and we're naturally caretakers. So part of that is what we want and part of that is also because we don't know that we can also have more. Not just, not just in money and careers, but sexually. Women are not empowered to say, hey, I like this, I don't like that. Hey, let's try this. And with men who watch pornography, they see the subjection of women, the objectification of women, the overpowering of women, and the young girls who are watching pornography see that that's what sex is supposed to be like, and it further disempowers them sexually. Even as I was watching hentai and into like bubblegum anime and such, which is just like teen drama kind of stuff, the women were still always trying. I mean, sometimes they try to seduce, but more than that, there was always this need to have a man, always this need for sexual, social validation that I'm okay as a woman because I am wanted. And that's such a pervasive story in our culture. 
that unless women consciously, intentionally fight it, they're going to keep replaying it in their lives over and over again. Yeah, that makes total sense. So now let me ask you, obviously there's already this predisposition against women because, again, women can't rape men, men can rape women, and women are objectified. Tell me, when you are studying female sexuality and addiction, why do you believe the fantasy can actually be harmful? And, you know, where does it come from? How do women get trapped in fantasy worlds without without even realizing it? Well, first I think it's important to recognize that as women, we are creators. I mean, we grow the next generation in our bodies. Talk about power. We create countries. We create homes. We create life. And we have this power that's given to us by God, by source, by spirit, by universe, whatever you want to call it. We have this ability to make something out of basically nothing. And it's an incredible power. Well, fantasy is just an extension of that power. So thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to move into a new house. We've built a home. And thinking about, okay, what color of, of curtains do I want? What color of front door do I want? You know, there's planning that's part of creation, but sometimes that goes haywire, especially for a young girl who needs an escape from reality, whether it's because of loneliness or neglect or abuse. And we get something called dissociation where she just stops really engaging with her life and spends a lot more time in her head. That's a defense mechanism, and it can be very helpful for a young child to be able to cope with the pain in their life. But as we become adults, we need to take a look at that, find out what's under that dissociation, what pain is there that hasn't been resolved, and resolve it. And if we don't, we spend way too much time in fantasy. We spend a lot of time distracted, whether it's with social media or reading books or even I caught myself when I was in school you know, getting straight A's became the fantasy. It became the drive in my life. And so while there are very good things and very positive things about planning and thinking ahead and dreaming and wishing and creating, it's when the fantasy starts to pull us away from our day-to-day lives and all of a sudden talking to people in front of us becomes a burden. It becomes stressful. The kids needing dinner, needing clean laundry becomes a burden. It becomes agitating and irritating. And we start to distance ourselves from the people closest to us, the very relationships that could heal us. And then again, just like you said, we're reaffirming that trauma. We're creating that trauma again all over for ourselves. But this time we don't realize that we are the creator of the pain and we start to see it as other people. You know, my husband's not connected to me. My husband doesn't pay attention. Well, are we having those hard conversations or are we feeding the fantasy with our hurt feelings and our comparison and our pain instead of addressing the core issue, which is, hey, honey, I feel lonely and isolated. I feel like we don't have enough time together, you know? Exactly. And that really means being able to assess your situation and then assert yourself, have good communication with whoever your partner is. But you're saying that more people than not, if, they are, have a, if they're prone to addiction or prone to love addiction, 
They'll go into fantasy to avoid dealing with reality and to create the reality that they want in their own head. Yeah, and that reality can be so alluring and so intoxicating. Absolutely. So that's how women get trapped in that fantasy world without even realizing it. Yeah, it really is. And then they look back and hours and days and weeks have passed and they're going, what happened to my life? You know, the year is going so fast. What happened? Well, how much of it have we spent disconnected from reality? Well, and then again, I can see why the wink of somebody else's eye, a warm smile, a nice comment from somebody else becomes the fantasy that they're really looking for to feel loved and appreciated and admired. And then they recreate that fantasy world, combine it with sex, or, and, and create a love addiction that becomes compulsive. Well, yeah, and we take our creative powers and we take what was a warm smile or a kind gesture from a male colleague, and all of a sudden, in our mind, there's so much more than was really there because we're craving that, we're needing that, we're not getting that in our real lives, and it can be so easy to see something that's not there in a relationship of, you know, a heterosexual friendship or whatever. It can be really confusing as well, especially now, for the you young woman. Yeah, oh, you mentioned Pia Melody, who's kind of like the guru. She's she's the god uh-huh. of love addiction. Have you studied with her? Have you have you been to any of her lectures or any of her trainings? No, but I read her books, and I love Pia. She actually, the first book I ever bought was Facing Love Addiction by Pia Melody. I bought this about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And no, I have not actually taken that opportunity. Sounds like a great idea, though. Yeah, you know, she obviously works out of the Meadows, which is a, an addiction center and in um, Wickenburg, Arizona. And, you know, I happen to think she's absolutely the best on the subject. And that book is wonderful, although I think it can be kind of a hard read for the normal layperson. I mean, as a clinician, Facing Love Addiction is a wonderful book, but... What do you think when you're when you're recommending books on love addiction so people can kind of assess do they have that? What would you recommend? Well, I do love facing love addiction, and I think it's good, but you're right. It's not the best first read because it is very clinical, and it took me like took me months to read it, going back and looking at it again. Um, So I have my book, Overcoming Love Addiction, which, of course, I recommend. I also absolutely love No Stones by Marnie Fareed. It's an incredible read. I used it. I've been using it in my women's groups for years just because it's so comprehensive. She doesn't address pornography in here, but she addresses, well, she, she briefly touches on it, but she addresses so many facets of female love and sex addiction and relationship addiction. So that's No Stones, Women Redeemed from Sexual Addiction. It's an incredible book. And it's pretty good. It's not nearly as clinical as Facing Love Addiction. It has, it's a lot more, there's a lot more story, a lot more example. It's a little bit more personable. Um, 
And then I absolutely love Forrest Benedict wrote a book. He's actually my forwarding author. He's a life star coach and certified sex addiction therapist. And he wrote a book called Life After Lust that I also think is fantastic. It deals primarily with pornography addiction, but he worked really hard. He consulted with me. He consulted, I believe, with Marnie. I'm not for sure. With Stacy Sprout, who wrote Naked in Public. And really tried to make it inviting for the female addict. So those are some resources I really recommend to my people. And I love Patrick Carnes' Gentle Gentle Path Through the Twelve Steps. It's my all-time favorite 12-step book. Well, absolutely. And, you know, many of my listeners know Marnie. Um, obviously, she helped, She has created, founded, and helps to run Bethesda Workshops, which has been phenomenal for addicts, for love addicts, for couples, and for partners. And she was just on our show, oh, a couple of months ago with Rob Weiss doing um, – uh, out of the doghouse for Christian um, addicts, and so she, yeah, she's an amazing person. You can Google her, and she actually was one of the first people to ever go on Dateline and talk about her addiction as a woman. Which you know, there's enough stigma to this addiction to begin with, let alone when it's a woman. Now, Stacy, Stacy Sprout, as Lacey. Um, referred, Stacy wrote a book called Naked in Public, and it's about her own journey in mm-hmm. love and sex addiction. And um, Forrest has also been on the show. So, I mean, you are naming some of the top experts in the field. I haven't had P on, but she did um, inscribe a book to me specifically from the Meadows. Uh, and like I said, it is, it's a classic in terms of clinically being able to understand that love avoidance and love pursuance. And and obviously you've made it your mission, you know, if you had not had your own background and if you had not had your own issues, you probably would not have done the 180 and gained strength from studying it and understanding it and helping others with it. Oh, absolutely. If I had not seen myself in Marnie's story, I would have stayed in denial, not even realizing what was happening. Now, mind you, I didn't have an affair. I didn't go out on my husband. But there's so much that's relevant in Marnie's book. And for people who are more clinical, making advances is just phenomenal. This book is incredible. But, yeah, it was actually because of Marnie. Go ahead. She was, well, I mean, we know this. She really, truly was our groundbreaker. I mean, Pia laid a great foundation. And then Marnie comes along, and she just starts blazing trails for women. She's absolutely, she's just incredible in what she did and the courage it took and the pathway she cleared for the rest of us to walk behind her. And so she cleared this pathway through the forest, and we're coming along and planting flowers, but without her, there would have been no path. And it's just been so incredible to read her work, and someday i hopefully talk to her. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she would love to talk with you. And, and so I want to ask you a little bit about your book titled Overcoming Love Addiction. Um, it 
it is an amazing book that describes your journey and then the clinical aspects of addiction. Tell me a little bit about how a woman would know if fantasy is a problem for her and what is your definition of love addiction? Okay, so let's start with the definition of love addiction, if you don't mind. So the definition I use is more than just relationship hopping or that infatuation with butterflies in the early stages of a relationship. It's incredibly, those feelings are incredibly um, alluring, they're addicting, they're tantalizing, they're sexy, they feel good, and we want those. And yet we get stuck looking for those. But I don't stop there when I talk love addiction. I go a little bit deeper and a little bit broader and say anything that is based on your need for romantic, intimate love in your life that drives you to do something compulsive that is not feeding your soul but is instead distracting you from the truth of your pain and the truth of the people around you who are available for your connection in healthy, appropriate ways. That's the definition I use. So whether that be, you know, for me, it's been at one point it was hentai. At one point it was those, um, like, kind of fan fiction kind of things. You know, um, there's been crazy fantasy relationships in my head. So I really go, okay, if it's distracting you from the real love in your significant relationship and taking those feelings and emotions and putting them somewhere else, that is what I define as a love addiction. And then how okay. does a woman know? Go ahead. Yeah, how does a woman know if she's doing that? Part, there's, here's a big thing. As women, we are very intuitive. And deep down, we know when we've got a problem. Now, it might be hard to acknowledge. I knew there was something off about how I loved. I knew, I've known since I was like 12, 13 years old, there was something not quite right, something different about the way I did relationships with young men. And so, first of all, tapping into that feeling inside of us that says, hey, something here is not what it could be or should be. And then taking a look. Do I spend time trying to get away from real people in my life so I can think, so I can, quote, unquote, process, so I can be alone? And then when I am alone, what am I thinking about? What am I processing? Am I ruminating over a comment or a touch or a look? Or am I truly just taking some time for myself and relaxing? There's a big difference there. And we know as women, we know the difference between a healthy, relaxing, I'm going to take some time for myself, and a, hey, I don't want to be with these people in my life because I want to think about something else. So it's where you choose fantasy over reality, and it feels better, it feels more numbing or more exciting to stay in that fantasy life. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot yeah. of comparison that goes along with it, especially of our significant relationships. Got it. Okay, and so clearly 
if we have listeners that feel that they may have a problem with fantasy relationships, and, you know, I can, I can speak for the fact that I have a friend that whenever she meets somebody, she's married them in her own mind within the first three weeks. She imagines what, she imagines what their kids are going to be like. She imagines their honeymoon. She imagines their life together. And I, I'm like, Susan, you know, you don't even know this man yet. Slow it mm-hmm. down. Yeah. She's addicted to the fantasy. Well, and for some women, there's the fantasy of, okay, well, if my husband dies, who would I marry next? Or who could I date? Or what kind of situation would have to exist for he and I to be able to be together? Same kind of thing. It's really, really alluring and so very destructive of the very real relationships in our lives. Absolutely. So, again, if we've got women out there listening and they're wondering, gosh, could that be me, I'd like for you to tell them a little bit about your program, you know, that roadmap to recovery that will help women deal with the possible fantasy or love addiction. So my roadmap, I call it Real Love 101, And it's an eight-week values-based course, and there's the eight values are in my book, Overcoming Love Addiction. You know, there's a chapter based on each of them, and we take each value, each week is one value, and we really dive deep into it as a group. There's between five and seven women in each cohort, and we dive deep into that, and we really talk about it, and we pick it apart, and, hey, how does this apply in my life? And I bring additional resources in and additional teachings and educating. We have a one-on-one. Each woman gets a one-on-one with me every week. Um, And then there's homework that they do that really helps them to carry what they're learning throughout the week and helps them to apply it. I work on having them apply it a little bit every day. I encourage them to spend 10 to 15 minutes at least five days a week working on their homework. And it's really incredible to watch them form friendships with other women who are trying to live in integrity and recovery because it can be hard to find friends who don't, you know, go Team Jacob or Team Edward or, hey, have you seen Fifty Shades of Grey? It can be really hard to find friendships where fantasy and lust are not a part of the equation. And so my favorite part is watching these women in the groups become friends with each other and be able to form relationships with other women who, just like them, are trying to live a higher law of integrity and fidelity in their relationships, not just their marriage, but all of their relationships. Okay, so tell me and my listeners, how could somebody join your recovery program and become part of the group? So I have a website, herrecoveryroadmap.com. The best way is to shoot me an email at Lacey, L-A-C-Y, at herrecoveryroadmap.com and say, hey, I want more information. And I'd also be happy, anyone who wants a copy of my book, and I have a PDF of the book, I love to give it to people. You can go get it on Kindle. Um, If you have like Amazon Prime or whatever is on Kindle, you can download it for free. Awesome. And my contact information is in there. You can buy a copy through for three forty nine if you don't have 
the Kindle, whatever it is that gives it to you for free. Um, or send me an email and say, hey, I'd love a copy of your book or I'd like to talk or I wonder if your program's right for me. I love being reached out to by people and hearing women's stories and watching them just wake up to reality because once women recognize what they're doing, they are empowered to change it. They can do something about it as soon as they're willing to, willing to look at it and say, hey, this might be me. There's so much more they can do to change their lives and improve their relationships like they really want to. Well, excellent. And and then if they decide the program is for you, you interview and register them, and they get to join one of your groups? Yep, they do. Absolutely. So there's, you know, they email me and say, hey, I'd like to learn more. Okay, great answer. I send them out four questions. They answer these questions for me. Here's a link to my schedule. Jump on my schedule. We have what I call a pre-enrollment call. I answer all their questions, get to know them a little bit. To make sure, I want to make sure that the women are going to feel comfortable and fit in with the group I'm currently running. Or I might say, hey, I'm going to wait and put you in the next group because I feel like you'd be more comfortable with those women. Or if I feel, you know, if there's a lot of trauma, I'll say, hey, I think that doing some trauma work with a therapist would be better for you first. And I'm absolutely willing to say this is outside of my purview. This is outside of what I am capable of handling. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of integrity when it comes to helping women to look at this issue, figure out what's in their best interest, and then plug them in to the best of your ability. So, again, one more time, your email is? Lacey, L-A-C-Y, at HerRecoveryRoadmap.com. Okay, and your book is Overcoming Love Addiction by Lacey A. Bentley, and that's B-E-N-T-L-E-Y, and I told you already tonight that you can download that Kindle version right now. It's set for the next couple of days, so... Get on her web. Uh, get on Amazon today and get that done, or you can contact her and she will send you a PDF, whatever you prefer. And you know, Lacey, this is kind of a new field in some way. You and Pia and Stacy and Marnie are all pioneers in this field, and. Here you are married. It's not like you're a single person who's moving from man to man, which oftentimes the love addicts that I've interviewed, that's who they are. They're single looking for love, as I say, in all the wrong places. So may I ask you, and you may, feel, you may not feel obliged to share, what does your husband think about your recovery? He's really glad I chose it. <laughs> He's... It's been, my husband is incredible. He's an incredibly loyal, dedicated man. I've told him even to a fault at times. And yet we now have the most incredible relationship. There is no one I love more. And we've been through so much together. And we've both had things to forgive. I talk in my book about how for the first 17, almost 18 years of our marriage, I didn't even realize I was dealing with, marital sex abuse and so we've both had some pretty big things to forgive and to love each other through 
And I think that I won't say that I'd want to go through it all over again because I would be lying to you if I said that. But when a couple is willing, they're both willing to humble, they're both willing to change, they're both willing to take personal responsibility, it's incredible the changes that can happen in a marriage. And he is totally supportive of me doing all of this. In fact, we're looking at ways to get him involved with running. We're still, you know, a ways out. The earliest would be late this winter. But he's like, hey, why don't I get some skills and run a group for the husbands? You know, he's really into this whole thing and really excited about what I'm doing. He's definitely my biggest fan. I would not be able to do this without him. Well, and would that be as a lay person, or does he have psychology in his background? He's a computer programmer, <laughs> so not so much go. psychology. I didn't think I read that he had that yeah. background. Okay. <laughs> No, well, he's a, he's a he's a fantastic web designer. He can do anything with a computer, but no, he is not a psychologist. He's just a really great guy. Oh, that's excellent. Um, well, I'm very impressed. There is no doubt about it with the way you've been able to navigate through this and make it your own. I, I mean, it is really your full-time living. Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, this is what I do for my job now. Yeah, and so I hope people will take advantage of this because very clearly if you feel like you have a love addiction or you have compulsive fantasies that keep you out of reality or maybe you have a compulsive porn addiction and you're a woman and as you're looking at porn, you're really fantasizing about that. Lacey is the woman to talk to to determine what resources are right for you. And if we can just circle back around one more time, that a woman would know if she had a porn addiction if... She was disconnecting from real people to use porn. That's really what any addiction comes down to is disconnecting from relationships to do something that is not truly feeding your soul. Okay, and would you say that's avoidance or that's numbing or that is producing dopamine to get a hit, if you will? Can I say all of that? It's all of that. It's all of the things. It's all of it. Okay. All right, so if you're somebody out there that you turn to porn to numb out and disassociate from time and get away from your life and you're doing that compulsively or avoiding your life, you just don't want to deal with the realities before you, whether that's a job, a husband, kids, um, being single, or... If you um, love that fix, you love that dopamine high, that hit, then more than likely you have a porn addiction and you really need to work on that so that you can um, learn how to manage it. Because when you don't learn how to manage things, then it manages you. And when your life becomes uncontrollable, your life also falls apart. Would you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not just about the porn. It's about clubbing. It's about infatuation. It's about flirting. It's about anything that we use as women, anything we use as women to 
distract us and make us feel better instead of facing the very real issues in front of us. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So in terms of parting words, what would you tell our listening audience um, to help guide them if they're feeling like they might have a love or porn addiction? I would say it's very natural to feel overwhelmed and a lot of shame and a lot of fear and a lot of, holy crap, what do I do now? And so I would just encourage them to, I would encourage any woman to take a deep breath, remind yourself you're not alone. If you were alone, this podcast would not have happened. If you were alone, all these other interviews, these books, Marnie, Pia, me, Stacy, we would not have written our books. You are not alone. This is actually a very, very common thing, especially in our day. It's very common. And there's help for you. There are people you can go to. There are people who have walked the path. There are people who have blazed trails or planted flowers or whatever. You're not alone. There is something out there. And just keep searching until you find what truly fits. And realize that it's not always going to look the same for everyone. And for me, I've been working on this for years and years. I've been through multiple programs, read lots of books, you know, done my own research, even got a degree. No, one thing is not going to fix it, but you're going to be led. If you're serious, you will be able to find what you need, what you're ready for, what the next thing is for you, and learn to trust that. That's one thing we we forget how to do or that we stop doing as women when we get into these issues. We stop trusting ourselves. But as you learn to trust yourself again and live in the moment and stop disconnecting, help will come. The resources you need will show up for you. Yes, earlier in the show you definitely indicated that women have good intuition if they just pay attention to it and honor it. it's probably never going to steer a person wrong. As as long as we're responsible with it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, we we can definitely learn to trust ourselves again. And there's a peace that comes when we know we're on the right path that you just cannot get any other way. It's just it might still be scary might still be terrifying, but you just know it's the right thing. Absolutely. Well, And if you doubt, send me an email. (laughs) There you go. She is there to help you and support you if you have any questions about fantasy, porn, or love addiction. And you can go to her website or Google her book, Overcoming Love Addiction, And thank you again, Lacey, for making it your mission to not only educate people about this condition, but to provide them resources that will help guide them into recovery. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. And thank you, Carol, so much for what you're doing. This has been fantastic. Well, thank you. And I'll look forward to to hearing more about your projects in the future. You have a great week. You too. Okay, bye-bye. So that was Lacey Bentley, and again, her book is Overcoming Love Addiction. You can go to her website and get more information about that. 
You spell her name L-A-C-Y and then B-E-N-T-L-E-Y. And Overcoming Love Addiction is a wonderful tool to understanding female sexuality, fantasy, and addiction. Um, So, as usual, we do our best to figure out what it is you need and to make it your own. And so I will see you next week. Now I'm kind of looking to see who am I interviewing next week. I'm going to be interviewing Gavin Sharp. So you know you can email me at carol at carolthecoach.com if you have any questions. Uh, Go to my YouTube channel, Sex Help with Carol the Coach. Obviously it's the same name as this show. And uh, see what I have to say to addicts and their partners, and couples in general for getting healthy and finding recovery. And as I say at the end of every show, you know there will always be one of you at all times, and I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself. Make it a great day, and I'll look forward to seeing you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach.